I want us to stand to our feet and welcome uh, with all of our heart and anticipation and expectation, Pastor Brent Cameron. Fantastic. Well, come on, why don't we give Jesus one great shout of praise in this room tonight? Awesome. Well, who is standing beside someone who's looking ridiculously good tonight? Come on. What do you tell that person? You look great. You look amazing. And, uh, and grab a seat wherever you are. It's so good to be here tonight. And uh, so excited. Um, I just want to take one moment, if I can, before we come around the Word of God, just to say, um, I was here yesterday, and Pastor John was sharing about some things that are on his heart, and talking about a revival that's coming in this church, and a season of revival, and, and then he began to talk about a leadership factory, and there was a whole bunch of stuff around that, and I know you're going to hear about it next weekend, so if you weren't there yesterday, you better come next Sunday, else you're really going to miss out. And uh, But, you know, as he was talking, and then Annie began to share just now about the young people and what God is doing. I was just, um, I don't know what your name is that led worship today, USA. Um, but I understand you're like 16 years old. Is that right? Yeah. I was 16 in 1954. Um, no, just kidding. And uh, I can't do the mess, but you know, God's got his hand on your life and it really has. And you were born for such a time as this. And See a young person like yourself stand up here leading worship, bringing people in the presence of God. I really do believe that God has something special for your life. And I want to encourage you, don't listen to the voices of everybody else, but listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and listen to the voice of your pastors. Listen to what God has for you and go after that. Don't be intimidated. Don't shrink back. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, the Bible says. But at the same time, don't feel like you have to prove yourself. Be yourself. Be who God has called you to be. And you watch God will open doors. A, a person's gift makes room for them and brings them before the great. And I believe God's going to do great things through your life. I'm so excited for all that you're doing. So come on, can we put our hands together for summer? Come on now. And, uh, and for the whole team, wouldn't they great praise and worship tonight? And they, you guys can grab a seat. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Name Summer and you live on a sunny coast. Come on, somebody. You bring a bit of summer to New Zealand at times, but uh, it is awesome to be here. How great are your pastors, Pastor John and Danielle? Come on, somebody. You, you got to know, you got, you got something special going on here. And uh, I go to a lot of churches and I see a lot of different pastors and some people just carry faith and have something bigger on their life. And these guys are those people that carry tremendous faith. I remember last time I came here, I was so impacted by the spirit of prayer that's in this church. And, you know, even yesterday, Pastor John began to talk about seven, uh, three lots of seven days of prayer and fasting. And I thought, well, a fast wouldn't hurt me. And, uh, you know, praise God for them. But, uh, you know, there, there's something that is on their lives of breakthrough and of life and of the Holy Spirit. And there is just, it just seems like there is nothing fake about them. You know, they're just 100% the real deal. And I just think that's absolutely fantastic. Can we just honor them one more time? Amazing, amazing people. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself the question, why did God make people? I mean, I've met some strange people in my life. And I've met some amazing people in my life. And 
I've often wondered, I used to wonder as a young person, why did God make people? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've read the Bible and I read like the cool books, you know, like I like like Revelation and Isaiah and all these kind of random books. I have no idea what they mean, but I just like reading them because they're freaky. And, you know, read Revelation, it's like there's angels around the throne and there's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And some of the angels, if I read it right, they, they're flying and they've got like six wings and four faces. I'm like, what does that even look like, you know? And, and then it says, that, well, they're singing this thunder and there's lightning. It's very, very frightening. And, and there's all this kind of happening in, in, in around heaven. And I'm like, why, God, would you make people when you've already got heaven? Like, why would you want to put up with all of this and all of us, especially me, when you've already got heaven and it's perfect and you've got angels and you've got all this kind of gear? And, and so I began to ask myself the question, why do God make people? And so I began to do a bit of study on it. And tonight I want to share with you the reason why God made people. And, and we're going to get to the end. And I believe that some people in this room are going to step into an understanding of kingdom purpose. And you're going to really see what you're doing in your life and what we do in church. It's whole, a whole thing is going to come to a whole nother level in your life. Does it sound good to anybody? How about somebody in the back row tonight? Come on, you got to help me out if I'm going to preach good tonight. But um, you know, the Bible talks about these angels, and I talked about it before. There's 10,000 times 10,000. I did the mass, that's at least 20 times more angels than there are people in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, when you begin to study these angels, though, it's something interesting begins to happen because throughout the Bible, we are only given the names of three angels. Now, if you've read the Bible at all, you're going to know there are names of people all through it, like Adam, Eve, it just begins, Cain, Abel. You know, you've got all these things. They just begin straight away. There's genealogies. I mean, the most boring reading you can do in the Bible is called the genealogies. You know, it's like so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so. It's like, I don't even read my own family tree. Why well, don't I want to read yours? But, you know, it, it, it's like all this gear. There's people's names all through the Bible, but only three angels are ever mentioned. And these angels, we call them the archangels. And the, the names are Gabriel, who in the Bible, Gabriel always comes to announce the Word of God. He is the archangel who is in charge of God's Word. Now that's a big job for somebody, and, and that's Gabriel's job. Then there's Michael, and Michael always comes in the Bible in response to prayer. He is the archangel who is in charge of answering prayers. And you're going to see him in, like in the book of Daniel, and he has to fight the prince of Persia to come and bring the answer to Daniel's prayers. You're going to see this archangel Michael in response to prayer. And then there was an archangel who was in charge of worship, and his name was Lucifer. And Lucifer was in charge of leading heaven in, in praise and in worship. We separate praise and worship according to how fast the drums are playing, but in the Bible they're not separated. They're the same thing. And so, and so what you see is that there was three archangels in charge of the Word of God, in charge of prayer, and in charge of praise and worship. Now it's interesting to note that when you come to church, there are three things I can pretty much guarantee are going to be in every single church service you will ever go to. To. They're going to be, there's going to be praise and worship. There's going to be prayer and there's going to be the Word of God. There's going to, if you go to a group this week, we're launching groups next week in Church Life. Everybody needs to go to a group, but you're going to find in your group, there's going to be something. We're going to have probably some sort of praise and worship or singing of some form. You're going to have somebody's going to pray and we're going to have the Word of God. There's, there's a, if you're going to have a successful 
Christian life, in your life, you're going to need to do devotions. And in your devotions, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put on praise and worship because nobody wants to listen to me sing. But we're going to have praise and worship there. We're going to pray and we're going to read the Word of God. These are the fundamentals of Christianity, right? And and we see this all the way from the Bible. And it's interesting to see that and to realize that those are the thing. There were three archangels. There were Michael, there was, there was, there was Lucifer, and there was Gabriel, right? But what we understand is that Lucifer fell. And I'm going to talk a bit about Lucifer tonight, not to give him glory, but to give us understanding of why we God created us. Because we were created literally to take his place. We were created to worship. We were created to praise. We were created to lead heaven in praise and worship. In fact, the Bible talks in Revelation, we haven't got time to read it tonight, but it talks about at the end of the age, every tribe, every nation, every language and every tongue singing together. And then it says, after all the people, People had sung, all of the angels of heaven said amen and begin to worship as well. And it's literally like this chorus and response happening as the people of God lead the angels of God in worship. Gabriel, Gabriel was, uh, sorry, Lucifer was created to lead the heaven, uh, to lead the angels in worship in heaven, but he fell. And so we're going to read from Ezekiel chapter 28. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture where you see God is speaking. And in the passage, it says that He's speaking to the king of Tyre. But as you begin to read it, you begin to realize that God is not only speaking to the king of Tyre, but He's actually speaking to the devil, Lucifer. Now, you're going to see this all through the Bible. Don't get freaked out by in this passage. You can see it where God is speaking to a person, and then He'll switch and begin to speak to the spirit that is motivating the person. Jesus did it when He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. We're going to see that all the way through the Bible. So the way you can do that is to read what is actually said and then begin to ask the question, who's God actually speaking to? It comes very obvious in this passage. Read with me. And I'll explain it to you as we go. Ezekiel 28 and verse 11. It says these words, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You are the seal of perfection. full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now just ask yourself a question. Who was in the garden of Eden, right? Well, we know God was there. He was there with Adam and Eve. And there was a fourth person there. He came in the form of a snake and spoke to Eve. And she took the took the fruit and, and fell, right? So that's the devil. The king of Tyre, he wasn't born yet. This is thousands of years later. Adam and Eve are dead. So we know exactly who God's speaking to. You're with me tonight. So, so you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emeralds with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. And by the abundance of your trading, we're going to talk about that phrase. Remember that phrase, abundance of your trading. You became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty 
and you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your own splendor. So here we are. So God is speaking to the king of Tyre and we very quickly realize that he's actually speaking to Lucifer. And he begins to speak about Lucifer and he talks about him. He talks about how he was perfect and beautiful. He talks about all the precious stones. And I, I don't really know how this looks, but Lucifer, the Bible records, had precious stones that were part of his covering. They were, he wasn't wearing clothes. They were stones that were part of the covering of him. It's amazing to know that in the Old Testament, the priest, the high priest, had a special garment that he wore that had precious stones all over it. The exact same stones that were on Lucifer were on the high priest. There's a picture to us of God's replacement for Lucifer. It then says, it talks about the workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes. Now, what you need to understand is that it also talks in Isaiah about harps that were built into Lucifer. So he was literally built, he was created with musical instruments that were built into him. And those musical instruments cover every single kind of instrument that's ever been created because it talks about timbrels, which is a percussion instrument. It talks about pipes, which are a wind instrument. It talks about harps, which are a stringed instrument. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you have all those instruments built into your body as well. <coughs> See, you've got percussion instrument. It's called your, your hands. Put them together. Thank you very much. I appreciate the encouragement. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Then you also have a wind instrument. How many here can whistle? Well, thank you. You're really an encouraging crowd tonight. <coughs> and then you have a string instrument. I'm using mine. I'm speaking, your vocal cords are actually a stringed instrument and, and you, you pluck them and that's how you make noise. And so we're going to leave that to the singers later on tonight. They're going to sing a song for us. It's going to be powerful. But we talk about these things, you know, I mean, like th these are all the instruments fall into these three categories. And God, when He created you and He created me, He created us to take the place of Lucifer because we were created to lead heaven in worship and in praise. Now, when He says the words, the abundance, of your trading. It's very important that you understand that when he says trading, it's not translated very well. This, this phrase, trading, it's like literally uh, a, a better word in English would be the word embezzling. It, it, it's like there is transactions that are happening and you're somehow in the middle of the transaction taking your cut, which is not yours. It's corruption, really. It's, it's if I'm working down at the mall and I'm selling you a pair of shoes and you pay 100 bucks for the shoes and I put $10 in my pocket and $90 in the... That, that's what he's meaning when he says this word trading. It's, it's, it's stealing. It's taking something that's not yours and putting it in your own life. And, and that's what the Lucifer began to do. He began to take the praise. The angels are worshiping God. And he's up there going, well, I'm just going to take a bit for myself. I'm going to enjoy the praise and they're going to come to me. And so what God says is because you did that and abundance of iniquity was found in your heart, he allowed sin to come in him when he said, I will be like the most high. And so then God, there was a war in heaven and God threw Lucifer out of heaven and he threw him to the earth. And so we get to Genesis chapter one and we begin to read in Genesis chapter 1. It says the earth was formless and darkness was over the face. It was vast darkness that was over the earth as that was the place that God had thrown Lucifer. And then God steps in and He says, let there be light. 
and everything changed on planet earth. We read through it and we get to verse 26 and I don't know about you, but I can, I, I, I can imagine in, in, my, in my imagination, which is where you imagine things, uh, I, I can imagine God here on earth and he created, he created the beauty of what we see, the na- nature and all the animals and the birds and the fish and everything and, and he hadn't yet gotten to man, but we're right here and I, I kind of imagine Lucifer standing on earth and, and looking at God and going, yeah, well, this is all great. God, you've made this beautiful planet, you've got all this stuff, but who's going to worship you now? Because I'm here and I'm not going to worship you and heaven's got no worship leader. What are you going to do without me, God? I was so central to your plan. And I imagine this in verse 26, that God speaking to himself, the God here turns around and he says, hey, I reckon we should make man. But let's not make man just so he'll look good like Lucifer did. Let's make man in our image. He's going to look like us. He's going to, he's going to have our appearance on his life. And, and let's make him in our image and let's let him rule over this whole earth. And Lucifer's thinking to himself, hang on, I've been on this earth. You threw me out of heaven. I thought this was what I was going to rule over this earth. And God said, no, no, no. Let us make man in our image and let him rule over everything on this planet. He's the one who's going to rule this earth. He's going to be your replacement. I, I, he, he's just saying, listen, Lucifer, I don't need you. I'm going to make me a dirt man. I'm going, to make, I'm going to make someone who's going to seem like nothing, who's going to be everything. He's going to make a tremendous difference in this world. And, and, and we, of course, were created because of that. And we need to understand, my friend, that our worship is not about how great our singing is. Our worship is not about how good we look. Our worship is about our connection to our Savior. And And as we worship God, the Bible's, listen, the angels never have a bad day. If you're in heaven, it's heavenly. They don't have a bad hair day. They don't wake up feeling sick. They don't wake up having had somebody die. They don't wake up having lost a job or had someone put something bad about them on social media. They don't have bad days. But when the angels get up in the morning and they look down on earth, and they see a young person who's living on the sunny coast who's having a bad day, but gets up and says, I will praise the Lord, my God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And they're going to look down and I reckon heaven gathers around and they say, hey, listen, these people are praising God so much. We've got everything perfect here, but look how they're praising. Come on, let's lift it to another level. Let's begin to praise God even better. Come on, somebody, where's we lead heaven and worship to our God. And I, I love, I love that the heart of worship isn't actually only about a song or about an action. It's about a heart that is captivated in wonder and in awe at the majesty of our God who says, you know what? It's not about what I walk through in this life. It's about who I walk through it with. And though I walk through a valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear anything because you are with me and you will cover me and you will protect me and I will praise you in the midst of every and any situation in Jesus' name. When you worship God, His kingdom is established in your life. When you begin to worship, you submit yourself to Him and to His power. And so His power is manifested in our lives. In Jesus' name, we were created to worship. And you need to know, I've got three points for you tonight. The first thing that you need to know is that praise destroys strongholds in your life. 
Praise destroys strongholds. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 and 5, it says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we keep captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's a pretension? A pretension is something that has been falsely raised up. Now listen, you need to know, that's what Lucifer did. He falsely raised himself up to try and take some of the splendor of God. So when we begin to worship, you need to understand, in our lives, we are always going to have things that are trying to falsely raise themselves up. There is nothing above the name of Jesus. But it's amazing how many things in our lives come to us and they appear so big until we begin to praise God and those things become small again. Why? Because we are warring, we are having warfare, and we are fighting against principalities and powers and rulers in high places. We are, we are created to rule on this earth and praise is our weapon. Oh, I said it before, the angels don't have these challenges. When you praise in the middle of tough times, my friend, it releases power to destroy strongholds. Praise is a weapon. When you think about when you think about Joshua at Jericho, right? I mean, if you know the story, they're just gonna they come to an impregnable fortress. Its walls were so wide they could race chariots around the top of them. I mean, that's cool. I've been I've never been, been in Europe and I've been on city walls and ridden bikes around walls. Some of them are massive. Jericho, they could ride chariots around the walls to race them. And Joshua and his army turn up. There is no way they can take that. They don't have siege works. They don't have battering rams. They don't have anything. And they walk around the city. And the Bible says, God said to them, at the end of the seventh day, march seven times and then shout. And the shout of praise that they lifted up to God caused the walls to come down. And they were able to take victory in that place. Listen, what might be impossible in the natural is always possible in the supernatural. No matter what stands in front of us our praise can destroy the strong house. our praise can bring freedom our praise can bring down every wall and cause us to walk in victory in Jesus name why do you think in church so often we're going to say come on let's lift up a shout of praise why because we are destroying strongholds in people's lives we are breaking atmospheres we're causing faith to come alive in the lives of people we are literally creating breakthroughs financially in the marriages and in children we don't always know what we're doing but when God causes us to praise there is tremendous power in our praise to break every stronghold Ah, oh, tonight Jericho was impregnable, but a shout brought down its walls. If you are facing in your life an impossible situation, begin to praise God for the breakthrough and you watch what God will do because praise destroys strongholds. Second thing you need to know is that praise lifts you to live in faith. It's going to lift you to live in faith. Everyone in this room, you will have good days and you will have bad days. Good days and bad days. But here's what you need to know. Your faith has the power to cause you to live in faith. Faith is not subject to what we walk through, but faith is only ever subject to the God that we follow. And when we live in faith, we are overcoming everything. David, David is, David is one of my favorite men in the Bible. And, in, and I've, I've studied his life. And in Psalm 57, he wrote this verse that is just so powerful. It says this, they spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. 
I love this. People are putting bad things about me on social media. All my friends have betrayed me. I got no followers on Twitter anymore, but my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. This is a passage from David's life. David wrote this psalm when he was on the run from King Saul. If you know the story at all, David was summoned as a young man and he said, I will fight the giant Goliath that was threatening the whole nation. He fought Goliath, killed him. He thought that would win him uh, the favor of the king. What it won him was the jealousy of the king. Eventually, David has to run and flee from the jealous king who's trying to kill him. He's living in, in, a, in a stronghold, in a cave, literally just hiding away. Then the king brings his army to try and chase this young man to kill him because he thinks he's going to take over the kingdom. So David ends up living, moving each night, moving all the time, trying to get away from the king. And the Bible records, well, the, the, the Tamil, the, the writers of the Hebrew uh, history outside of the Bible, they record about David that it, because he had to sleep in the desert as he was moving, he had a tent. And over his bed, he would hang a harp. In the middle of the night, he would hang his harp. In the desert in the morning, very early, before the sun comes up, the north wind begins to blow each night. And as it would blow, his tent obviously wasn't as good as mine. And the wind would blow through his tent and it would play the strings on the harp and the harp playing above his head would wake him up. And David woke each morning before the sun came up and began to praise God as he was worshiping. And it's recorded of David that he said these words, the dawn wakes other kings, but I will awake the dawn. And David lived a life where he said, I might be going through the work saying the dark a season, living in a desert, going from place to place, but I will praise the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter what I walk through, I will praise Him. And He lived a life of faith because He had praise in His heart. And you might be having a bad day. Life might be going in the wrong direction. People can say all sorts of things. Your boss can hate you. Your teacher can be an absolute dragon. But my friend, you need to know that we are called to live our lives in faith and to say, I will praise God no matter what is going on. Oh, and when we, when we begin to praise, we're going to find faith just lives in our hearts. It begins to lift. I'm going to praise God and I'm going to create faith in my life. Sometimes I don't feel like praising, but when you start to praise, everything changes as faith comes alive. Praising God, it strengthens my heart. It changes my perspective. It puts me where I am created to be. I am ruling and reigning with Christ. I am awakening the dawn of what God is doing in my life. Our praise will cause us to live in faith in Jesus' name. The third thing you need to know is that praise will usher in the King. Your praise will usher in the King. I mean, Psalm 22, it says that God is enthroned in the praises of His people. When we begin to praise God, and literally the Bible says that that creates an environment where we become heaven's throne room. And the angels are in God's throne room, circling His throne. But when the people of God begin to praise Him, that's the moment that God says, that's why I'm enthroned. When you, when you begin to praise God, He can't help turning up where people are praising Him. In Luke chapter 19, this amazing story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And it says these words in verses 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Anyone ever want a music turn down in church, need to read that scripture. Begin to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, they, re- they, they said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now here's the thing, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Earlier in the passage, it talks about the fact that he set his face like flint to go to the cross. He was, he was going, nothing was going to stop him. But this time, he was not entering Jerusalem as the carpenter's son like he had in the past. He was going to the cross. So he entered Jerusalem as the king. He entered Jerusalem ready to take his throne. He was entering in another way. And because he was coming in as the king, the people began to praise. And they said, why don't you stop the people? He said, I can't, if I stop the people, the rocks will do it. Because if people don't do it, the rest of creation will, right? Because creation knows when the king comes in, you praise. That is how it works. And the, the Pharisees trying to stop it. But Jesus said, no, we're not going to stop it. Because when the king enters, there has to be praise. But at the same time, if you put it the other way around, where there is praise, the king will always enter. But the religious spirit will always oppose people praising God. And the Pharisees are saying, can't you stop them? Can't you just quieten it down? Can we, do we have to have this praise and this word? Does it have to be so loud? Why can't we just do it quietly? The, the religious spirit will always oppose praise in our church. And, let me read to you a letter that was written that was opposing modern church music. I want to read you this letter. Uh, and just listen to it, these, these words. It says this, There are several reasons for opposing modern church worship. Number one, it's too new. Number two, it's often worldly, even blasphemous. And the, and the new Christian music is not as pleasant as the more established style. Because there are so many songs, you can't learn them all. It puts too much emphasis on instrumental music rather than godly lyrics. This new music creates disturbances, making people act indecently and disorderly. The preceding generation got along without it. It's a money-making scene, and some of these new music upstarts are lewd and loose. Now, this is a letter that was written, my friends. You're going to find this quite shocking. This letter was written in the year 1723. It was attacking a man by the name of Isaac Watts, who wrote great hymns like, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, Joy to the World, and O God, Our Hope in Ages Past. 1723. Why? Because the religious spirit will always oppose praise. They didn't write this about C3 music or Hillsong or Rise music. They wrote this in 1723 about a guy who was writing a song that went, Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Oh God, our hope in ages past. It is a religious spirit that tries to stop praise. Listen to me. The Pharisees tried to stop it. They tried to stop it in 1723. And the devil today will still try to stop your praising because he knows if he can keep a on it. The king enters when there's praise. If he can stop you praising, come on somebody. He's going to stop the king from coming. He's going to stop the release of kingdom power in your life. And God wants us to turn up and praise God. Oh, the devil hates it when you praise God. But when you begin to praise, you begin to change atmospheres. You begin to release the power of God in your world. You begin to see things shift 
walls come down and God is enthroned in the praises of your people. And the band's going to join me on stage tonight and we're going to praise in one moment. Everybody stand. We're going to praise our God in just a moment. We're going to lift Him up and we're going to take our role as the praise and worship leaders in heaven tonight. I believe with all my heart that God is about to destroy strongholds in this room. There are people here and in your mind you've been struggling with thinking and you've been caused you to have great anxiety in your heart, maybe worried about what's going to happen in the future. There are people who have been struggling to sometimes to get out of bed in the morning. Great friend of mine, he's coming to your conference later this year. Russell Evans tells the story of his mom who for years and years struggled with depression. And every morning to get out of bed, she would get up and she'd just begin to praise God. And the spirit of heaviness would lift off her because she had a spirit of praise. And she went through it for many years until God set her free miraculously. But I believe tonight God wants to set people free of strongholds that are holding you down. He's going to cause people to live in faith where you've been overwhelmed. God is going to cause you to know that you are more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you right now, the King of all kings is about to enter into this room right here, right now. So come on, all over this room as the band begin to lead us in praise. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to lift up your heart. I want you to praise with everything you have in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on, all over this room. In one moment, we're going to come back and sing this. I want to sing. We sang it this morning, a little thing. It just said something about faith. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. And I, I want to encourage every person who's here. Come on. Your faith and your praise is what's shifting things in your life. And come on, together we're going to create a corporate anointing. But I want every person in this room, don't just sing this song, but close your eyes and engage your spirit in faith. We're going to bring down strongholds. We're going to cause there to be a breakthrough in our environment. We're going to cause faith to come in a new way. We've seen the King of Kings come in this place. But come on, let faith arise. You begin to sing it with everything. Come on, not just words, but from your spirit tonight. Let faith arise. Come on. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Come on. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let 
my God Made me a promise and it won't stop now Come on, all over this room there are people here and you're believing for God to do something significant at the moment. It may be over this year of 2020. Maybe, maybe you're believing that God's going to set you free of anxiety and some of the fears of your life. Maybe you're praying for someone to get saved. Maybe you're believing, I believe there are businesses that are about to explode in this church. Maybe, maybe you're believing that God is going to do something in, a, in an area of healing in your life or in your family. But come on, I want you to lift up a hand to heaven all over this room. You say, man, I'm believing God. It's going to do something great in 2020. Well, come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we praise I think that our praise destroys strongholds and we are breaking down every enemy's attack. Father, I thank you right now that there is victory in the camp. There's a shout of praise that brings down every wall and every barrier. And as we begin to praise you tonight, I thank you for a victory on the left side and victory on the right side. I thank you for answers to prayers. I thank you there's a breakthrough coming right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Come on. I know breakthrough is coming. My God. Breakthrough's coming. Give him one great shout of praise in this room. Come on, lift up a shout. Lift up a shout. Lift up a shout to the King of all kings tonight. Come on, praise him for your breakthrough. Praise him in your breakthrough. Praise him for your breakthrough right now. We give you praise, Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Shout to God with your praise tonight. Breakthrough's coming in this place. Come on. You know, even as we began to shout tonight, I just felt like the Holy Spirit just spoke into my heart as, as we just began to shout about a season of revival. Now, I reckon we just need to take one more moment. And, and as a faith declaration... Begin to shout unto God for a season of revival. Come on, man. We need to just praise God for souls that are coming in. Praise God for your family member, for your friend. Praise God for people finding Christ as their Lord and Savior. Come on. Come on, somebody. Give them a great shout of praise in this room tonight. Come on. It's a breakthrough in the spirit tonight. Jesus! 
Come on. My God, maybe a promise and a my man. Maybe a promise and it won't stop now. Come on. Let's sing it one more time. I know. Hey, come on, give him one more shout of praise in this room tonight. Praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Jesus. Hey, you know, around a room this size, there's one thing that I know is that not everybody in this room has your own relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are people here, and you come to church, and you're probably thinking, man, what is going on here? Well, what, what's going on here is a group of people who found what it is to have a living relationship with our loving Savior and have made the decision that with our lives, we will praise God. Here's what you need to know. You were created to praise and you will praise and worship someone or something. The question is not whether you will. The question is who. Uh, I've been to a number of different events, sporting events, uh, music events. And you can see people in crowds their hands lifted last year you two came to New Zealand I went to the concert don't judge me and, and, but I like the music but people were lifting hands all over the room I'm thinking man what are they worshipping tonight because they're not worshipping Jesus but they are worshipping something and in your life you will worship you will praise something because you were created to praise but the moment you make a decision to say my life will be lived to praise the king of all kings I'm, I'm going to live my life to praise Jesus to lift up his name is the moment that your life changes forever you find the reason you created eternity comes alive in your life and everything changes the moment that you decide to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior Jesus came to this earth he, would, he lived a perfect life he died on the cross at the end of his life it was his choice to die and then he rose again so that he would defeat the power of sin and of death so that you could live your life forgiven and victorious in Jesus name and tonight wherever you are in this room you say man I don't have my own relationship with God I've never made a decision to follow Jesus in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that choice for yourself I'm going to get everybody in the room in a minute not yet but in a minute to bow their head and to close your eyes and when they do that I'm doing that so that you won't feel embarrassed or self-conscious in any way but have the opportunity to think about and to look inside your own heart and ask yourself that question do I know Jesus as my Lord as my Savior I'm going to ask you at that moment I'm going to count to three I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand if you're saying I need Jesus maybe you're here and you've never made that decision in your life when we get to three my friend I just want you to lift up your hand I'm not going to move you I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to point you out to anybody in any way but we're going to pray a prayer everybody in the room is going to pray that prayer but when you pray it you're going to know it's specific to you you're praying a prayer that's changing the course of your entire destiny and of your eternity there are others in this room and you know you used to follow Jesus 
but you walked away. At the same time, when we count to three, I want you to lift up your hand as well. Others here saying, I just don't know if I'm a Christian. Don't know what is going on between me and God. I go to church sometimes. Does that make me a Christian? No more than going to McDonald's will make you a hamburger. Does going to church make you a Christian? But when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that's the moment that He enters your life. And come all over this room, the people in those categories, or you're just saying, man, I know I need to respond to Jesus tonight. I need to respond. Then in a moment, when we get to the count of three, I want you to just take your hand and lift it up as high as you can in the air. There's a crowded room. There are lights in my eyes, but I don't want to miss you because we're going to pray together and God's going to do something powerful in your life tonight. Come on, would everybody please bow your head. Everybody close your eyes. If no one would be looking, nobody moving, nobody talking, but in this holy moment, I want you to look inside your own heart, your own soul. Ask yourself the question, do I have my own relationship with Jesus? And friend, if your answer to that question is not a clear and a confident yes, then I would love to pray with you. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want you to lift up your hand as high as you can in the air. You've never done this before. Just lift it up. Lift it up. Say yes to Jesus. You may be happy you've walked away. God will accept you back with open arms. He's not looking for a reason to judge you. He's looking for a way to save you. He sent Jesus so that you could be saved. I want you to lift up your hand at that same point. You say, man, I'm just confused. I don't know where I stand before God. You lift your hand. And my friend, you're just saying, I need to respond tonight. On the count of three, wherever you are, I want you to lift your hand, lift it nice and high. One, two, three. Lift it right now. So that's me. So that's me. Fantastic. Hands going up. Hands going up. Somebody else is saying, that's me. Over here, brilliant. Thank you, sir. Somebody else is saying, that's me. Join the others who have already responded and say yes to Jesus tonight. Say yes to Him. Take your hand. Do the most amazing, life-changing thing you could ever do and lift your hand right now in this moment and allow Jesus to come in your life. Anybody else want to join the others who have already responded? Take your hand right now. Lift it right now. Say yes to Jesus. Anybody else? Wonderful Jesus. Those who lifted your hand, thank you so much. You can put it down tonight. We just so appreciate that. Come on, we're going to pray this prayer. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray it from the bottom of your heart. If you're a member of this church and you have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer as loud as you can because you're the prayer team tonight. Come on, let's pray this together. Pray, Lord Jesus, I thank you. You died for me. I'll live for you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I choose to turn my life around. And I choose to follow you, Jesus. I thank you that I am forgiven and I am born again. Right here, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, churches, give a massive hand for everybody who's responding tonight. Come on, somebody. And hey, I just, I just want to take two more moments and just congratulate everybody who's just responded to Jesus. That is the greatest choice that you can ever make in your life. And in a moment, Pastor John, I think, is going to come back up. No, it's going to be you, Josh. Josh is going to come up here, Pastor Josh, and he's going to talk about your next steps. Can I encourage you that in life, we're on a journey together. None of us have arrived, but all of us are on the journey. And tonight what you did was you made a great decision to say, I want to follow Jesus. Well, here's the thing. As we follow Jesus, God didn't put us on earth to live alone. In fact, 
God speaking, when He just made man for the first time, He said it's not good for people to be alone. It's good for people to walk together with others. And what we'd love to do as a church is to help you take your next step in that journey. Josh is going to talk about that. I really want to encourage you, take those steps, make the journey. God is good and He's got a great plan for your life. So thank you so much. Come on, let's welcome Josh. He comes to the stage. Wow. Come on, let's thank Pastor Brent. Such an amazing message. The power of our praise. As we praise, it brings down strongholds. Doesn't matter what season you're in, if you can get into a place of praise, God will move powerfully in your life. Hey, let's just give a big thank you to Pastor Brent and Kenny. Annie, for everything they've poured out over this weekend in our church.